Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Cauldron Side Chats. I'm your host, Jack Witch Dr. Witcher, and tonight we're um, going to be watching the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view by WWE. Um, I think I'm going to try something a little bit different tonight. Again, mix it up a little bit as you know. Uh, I normally commentate live on like the way things are happening. I'm still going to be a live reaction, uh, probably published a few days late, but who knows. Um, but instead of just commentating on pretty much everything that happens... Uh, I'll probably do a before match feelings, mid match feelings, comment on the big things that happened that really made me kind of get out of my seat a little bit, and then talk about how I feel the match went overall at the end, and all sorts of things like that. If that doesn't work partway through, maybe I'll go back to commenting on the whole thing. Who knows? But we'll see how it goes. I'm going to enjoy it. Hope you do too. Let's go. We start with the kickoff show as we normally do, and the match we're treated to tonight is Natalia versus Mandy Rose. And this is kind of an odd match, in my opinion. Um, it does mean we're unlikely to see a women's tag team championship match, which, again, after the amount of hype that the women's division has been getting over the most recent years, it does seem like it's a bout that is often forgotten. And also, Natalia being the, well Antamina being the second generation superstars that they are, third generation um, in the case of Natalia actually, you really think that sometimes maybe they'd be even at least on the main card, um, even when they won the tag championships, um, they did it on Smackdown rather than an actual pay-per-view, um, but then Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, two people that really looking to find their space again. They've both had a fair share of pushes, and not necessarily massive ones, but you know, they've kind of been consistent, just really looking for that breakthrough moment, and maybe this is a kind of, not passing of the torch ceremony between the Natalia, Tamina, and Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, but just something to get them noticed a little bit more and get them a bit of experience with the veterans that they have. So, not a pointless match, but... Certainly, an odd one, in my opinion, for what it does take away from the rest of the show. We're a few minutes into the match now, and it's kind of been almost as you can expect from this style of match. Um, Natalia started off quite firmly in control, uh, showing the grappling experience that she has, and not just in general ring experience of how to manipulate your opponent and work the ring to your advantage and you know, ring psychology, all sorts. Mandy Rose struggled a little bit at first to get any form of momentum going, um, but when you're in there with a third generation superstar, that's going to be hard. But Mandy Rose did, in my opinion, the best thing she could do. She went towards the aggression side rather than trying to match Natalia's skill. Pulling Natalia in between the ropes and ricocheting her head off of the top rope. You know, that's going to knock anyone out for at least a second. Nice to daze you and followed up by a good succession of knee strikes in the corner. And then a surprise came from Mandy Rose. Uh, she started to lock in a good series of submissions on Natalia that really... Natalia seemed to be unable to find her way out of for a while and maybe... Natalia appreciating that someone else is able to put her in that kind of position. You know, graduate the heart dungeon, you basically live for submissions. So if you can find an opponent that really does test you in that aspect, then, you know, sit back, savour it, I imagine. I mean, savour a submission. God, that's a weird saying, but I didn't graduate the heart dungeon, so I don't have the same kind of feeling towards this type of holds. Currently, this match is very back and forth, like including while I'm talking, momentum has changed sides twice. Um, good veteran counters from Natalia, but the youth and athleticism of Mandy Rose is definitely being an advantage here. Currently, Mandy Rose just hit a drop kick off the top rope and got a near fall on the veteran, but... I wouldn't say that either competitor is taking out of this match or possibly showing signs of winning. And Mandy Rose almost going for a pedigree, but that's not going to work. Only Triple H gets that move. 
Um, you know, I nearly spoke too soon. Um, Mandy Rose nearly got the win off her inside cradle and managed to kick out of the discus clothesline, which is Natalia's big finisher. So maybe now frustration is settling in, like Byron Saxon has just said. And Natalia really needs to pull something out of the bag here. The match continued to be a very good back and forth, not really putting one over from the other too much. Uh, there was a good series of pinfalls being traded, submission attempts. You could kind of see at some aspects that Mandy Rose hasn't really been in the ring as long as Natalia. Uh, some of the subtle communication was a bit more obvious. There was hesitation on both parts, to be honest. Um, I can't really pinpoint who was to blame for that one, but some of it just seemed a bit stop-start. Um, not a match I would say is a bad thing for any comp either competitor. Uh, Natalia ended up getting the win via sharpshooter, but <laughs> let's be honest, who didn't see that one coming at this point? But like I said, there were several times, especially with a few small packages, that Mandy Rose really could have got the win over one half of the Tag Team Champions, and... I don't think this is the last we've seen of those two together. Either way, that is the pre-show over with. And I look forward to seeing what match kicks off the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. The main show, ladies and gentlemen, is starting off in phenomenal fashion. And no, it's not AJ Styles. He luckily will be coming later. Uh, we seem to be starting with one of, I believe, the only Hell in a Cell matches on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Small point really annoys me that most matches aren't inside the cell like they used to be really added a lot to the pay-per-view to make it unique but hey i don't make the matches however we are starting with the women smackdown women's championship match bailey the challenger makes her way down to the ring and you know she's looking confident she's gotta be she's facing bianca Belair, the est of wwe and winning the championship at WrestleMania honestly was the best thing that happened to Bianca Belair. Um, she's, she's had a good few matches since then as well. But she always seemed like she needed that one match. And even if she'd have lost at WrestleMania, I believe it would have been the push that she needed. But to cement your reign, beat Bailey. It's got to be done and beat her in an environment that she's been in that you haven't. Bailey is going to, in my opinion, dominate this match because she's the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion in history and close to being the longest reigning Women's Champion in general, I believe. I have to double check that one. I'm not 100% on what that is, but Bailey's got a lot to prove, I think. But also, Belair, she's put a lot on the line coming into this. She said, you know, I'm no stranger to adversity or doing things that people don't think I can do. So a lot on the line for both people here. They're locking the cell door, and oh, it's been so long since I've seen a good Hell in a Cell match. We had that one on Friday, but that was predictable. Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio. We'll talk about that one a bit later as well, because I have a few issues with the fact that was on SmackDown. However, this is going to be an absolutely amazing match, in my opinion, before I've even seen it. The pacing early on into this match has been quite um, fluid. Uh, we haven't started off, you know, gung-ho, get every weapon physically possible. Uh, currently, at the time of recording this, uh, Bailey's bringing in a set of steel chair steps into the ring, but apart from that, we'd seen Bianca's weapon of her hair. Obviously, she brings it everywhere with her, and Bailey using a steel chair. Again, not loads, but a nice gradual ease-in to the way the show is going to be, especially this match at least. Um, the strategy for both competitors becoming clear early on. Bianca Belair is going to use her athleticism to try her best to avoid the strikes of Bailey, like she did while they were both on the corner turnbuckle. Bailey went for a punch to the face, and Bianca just backflips out of it. Backflips away from a punch in the face. Absolutely amazing. And Bailey is going to try to 
take away as many limbs of Belair as possible, so she loses pretty much every aspect of her power. Uh, we've seen her ram Belair's arm straight into the incredibly thick ring posts, and you know it's, it's a good strategy. I can't fault either competitor; they know each other quite well. Um, the hair for Belair is normally going to work for her. However, right now it has been tied around the bottom rope, almost in a double knot. So, you know, she may have a good two, three foot of hair going on there, but if it's tied to the ropes, there's not a lot you can do about that. Or you could use it as a tripping hazard and trip Bailey up while she runs towards you, making Bailey fall face first on the steel stairs. I like it. Good ingenuity from Belair. She is the smartest competitor in the ring right now. Apart from Bailey just then, who avoided the steel steps, crushing her in between the cell and the steps. That's, you know, something you always want to avoid. The ingenuity of Bailey at this point is really shining through. Um, she's learnt her lesson from last year. Um, tying the kendo sticks up that she wants to use in advance rather than attempting to do it mid-match. However, it has backfired on her as she just got spine-busted through two long extended kendo sticks by Bianca Belair. And, you know, it has actually answered a age-old question that I've had about watching this in that can the wrestlers hear the commentators while they're having their matches? And Bailey just turned to Michael Cole and told him to shut up. And that they know, will fans all know that Bailey tried to tie the kendo sticks together in her last match. So, you know, evidently, especially without the crowd there, I suppose, it is a lot easier for the competitors to hear the commentators. Which, you know, makes listening to what they're saying a lot more entertaining. Belair is now showing a good bit of aggression attempting to obviously use the kendo sticks but also use the steel chair that Bailey tried to introduce honestly I don't think you're gonna beat Bailey like that Bailey is brilliant at underhanded tactics I mean she bit Bianca on the arm earlier and is now putting her arm between the chair so I, I think this is Belair's match to lose Bailey is my favorite going into this match but Belair's riding a lot of momentum, and even though she's not doing 100% great at the moment, it could change at any moment. So, eagerly awaiting the next massive highlight of the match, as Helen in a Cell trends number one in the United States. Never my country though, never seems to trend in the UK. But then I don't have Twitter, so how would I know? Anyway, let's watch. Bailey now seems to be reaching the end of the motivation that she has to compete in this match. She's just asked the referee to please open the cell door. But no, they're not going to do that. And okay, Belair did take advantage by ramming Bailey's head into the cage two or three times. But Bailey has a ladder, so maybe it was all part of playing possum. However, playing possum without having your head smashed into a steel wall. Seems a lot better in my opinion. This match is honestly going a distance quite a bit longer than I anticipated, but these are two phenomenal athletes, so they really, really do want to show them off at this point, and I can't say I blame them. Improvisation for the women's champions, Bianca Belair, is definitely proving to be key right now. She's had a very dodgy arm throughout the rest of the ma uh, most of the match because of it being injured early on and she went for the glam slam you know double chicken wing face buster normally you hit that just in the middle of the ring but this time you know you got to make up for only having one arm really to hold them up with face first into the turnbuckle goes bailey and now has been hit with a back sent on onto the ladder and bailey's really struggling and this looks like we're about to see a KOD kiss of death onto the ladder, and we did. Uh, that's got to be it. Bailey has to be out. One, two, Belair has successfully retained. 
you know, for now on, if I pick a person, right, just go against him. My picks are atrocious, but well-deserved match. Um, victory there. Well-deserved match? Of course it's a well-deserved match. You want to pay for few hallway matches are deserved, but a hard-fought victory indeed. Well-deserved. Uh, hopefully this doesn't do much negative stuff for Bailey because sometimes they just stop including people for a while. Bailey has the kind of attitude and mic skills where she can really just take on anyone and the skill of the EST of WWE Bianca Belair she literally can take on anyone in anything and both of them will look amazing doing it so again another match I can't wait to see where each competitor goes and hope that they both continue to get the kind of push that they are let's see where the next match takes us I was about to start talking about our second match of the main card and our first non-Hell in a Cell match. Um, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. Uh, Cesaro was making his way down to the ring and I was about to talk about how I'm glad he's still getting his push after falling short in his championship matches and you know that sort of thing. And still being able to rival with someone to the degree of Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins um, jumped him from behind. Uh, they're now both back in the ring. Um, this could do have been a no disqualification match. Not necessarily Hell in a Cell, but no disqualification definitely. Because these two just want to tear each other apart. Um, Cesaro is going to use any form of insane power that the Swiss Superman has. but And Seth Rollins is going to, you know, just, I'd say try and outquick Cesaro. But let's face it, that doesn't happen very often. Can't outpower him. Maybe Rollins is going to have to outmaneuver him in the way of bending the rules ever so slightly, like he's very, very well known for doing. However, any form of strategy that I mentioned just then, really, just forget about it right now. The match started with an attack from behind, and it's it's just disintegrated into a brawl. And, you know, no one's really... <laughs> bothered about grappling or any of that I can see this match ending in a double count out doubles qualification something along those lines of a no contest just to really hype it up a little bit more but then who knows it probably won't they'll probably want people to actually have an ending to this match but I'm going to put a pick out there right now my pick for this match Seth Rollins the Friday Night Saviour, or whatever he's calling himself now. The King of Drip, I will call him. I've seen many people calling him, because the suits he has, oh my word, no idea where you get them from. Must be the glory of having a custom-made suit-worthy bank account. But currently Cesaro, he's dominating. But still, Rollins is cagey and not above bending the rules. Cesaro probably a bit too honest for his own good, so that's why. I'm going with Seth Rollins. Rollins was able to turn the momentum for a while with a good rake to the eye and underhanded tactics. And that's what he needs to do. But he made the mistake of just now trying to match strikes with Cesaro who nails him with a throat thrust. A move we don't really see from Cesaro very often. But Cesaro will very, very happily exchange strikes with, I'd say, 90% of the planet. Because Cesaro, he's really not bothered shoving Seth Rollins' glove down his own throat. Very interesting tactic. And clotheslining it, I was going to say out of his mouth. But uh, yeah, it did, it did fall out of Cesaro's mouth. That would have been the third win that Cesaro would have picked up had he got the win there. But luckily for my personal opinion Rollins is still in it Rollins needs to turn it around he had a like I said he had a good bit of momentum going and it's just hit a kick to the midsection of Cesaro running up for the stomp but obviously that was going to get blocked way too early into the match and into the pin goes Cesaro Ooh, worried that was going to be it luckily only a two count uh, Cesaro catching his breath right now but where was I yeah Rollins needs to go back to the head scraping against the ropes, the poke to the eyes, poke to the throats, using the turnbuckle, whatever you can do 
to get the upper hand on someone as powerful as Cesaro. Because, yeah. You know. Make Cesaro look good in the ring against you. Yeah, yeah, that's all well and good. But, whoa, backflip out of the ropes and sending Cesaro over the top rope. Not really going the way Rollins wanted just then. Okay. But, you know, Rollins, he wants a pay-per-view win. Of course he does. He wants to be next in line for the Universal Championship against his former friend Roman Reigns. He's turned his back on him once. He can beat him again. Rollins is currently seeming to be losing his mind. He just nailed a fantastic Cassius Ono style elbow shot to the back of Cesaro's head. And Cesaro managed to kick out. But now Rollins just raining down the kicks, the strikes, the claws, anything to Cesaro's head. And now locking in a kind of key lock armbar. I don't remember seeing Cesaro tap like ever in his life, but the way his elbow is bending, you know, doesn't look particularly natural. Uh, a lot of pressure on the shoulder joint. I would tap, but I'm not the Swiss Superman. I'm also not currently standing up, holding my opponent, breaking out of that hold. The resilience of Cesaro is going to be the biggest obstacle. Oh, yes, the Jesus step rebound kick. I love that. Rollins goes for the kick on his opponent. His opponent catches his foot, or Cesaro ca um, Rollins catches his foot on his opponent's leg, depending on which way they want to look at it. Um, but the first kick gets ducked. Rollins, you know, he's still in contact with his opponent. Just brings his other leg back, kicks him square in the side of the head. And as they say, the shots you don't see coming are the ones that hurt you most. And no one sees that shot come in. You think, yeah, I've dodged it, finally. Bang, kicked the side of the head. You're out for a couple seconds. Sadly this time, not three for Rollins, but he's definitely firmly in control. One of the issue things I'm seeing a lot in this match specifically, which is a big shock to me, is some of the shots don't seem to be landing as flush as they normally would. Like, for example, that lariat that Cesaro just hit, you could almost see daylight between the two of them, and that is not what these two are up to with their standards. The Cesaro swing, which has just been locked in. Yeah, you can't miss that one, really. Hold your opponent, spin in circles. I'm getting dizzy just watching this with the in-and-out camera. Cesaro now locking in... The sharpshooter, after spinning around, that's got to be close to 22, 23 times. And Rollins, you know, rightfully so, he's out. But I think, you know, again, it's not something I expected to say. The chemistry between these two, you know, doesn't really seem to allow for fluidity of some of the strikes. It's not a big deal. It's not a lot of the strikes in it, but just some of them where they should look more impactful. Don't even seem to have hit sometimes. But tie it, the rest of it does, so we can look past those ones. After a quick roll up to end that match, my first pick of the night has come correct. Seth Rollins managed to take advantage of Cesaro's out of character aggression. Cesaro was really targeting Rollins' arms with the stomp, pulled him closer to the middle of the ring. Not really sure if he was going to, possibly a sharpshooter or another um, king of swing move. But as soon as he grabbed both legs, Rollins rolled him up, managed to get the three count. Again, I voiced my concerns, or not concerns, issues with the way some of the moves hit. But hey, it happens. I've seen a lot worse matches, I tell you. I, again, I don't think this is a rivalry that's going to be over anytime soon purely because all you have to do is mention Seth Rollins' name and he will be there, ready to kick ass and not necessarily the cleanest way or, you know, the most honourable method I mean, this time he used an attack from behind to even start the match but we don't watch Seth Rollins' matches for a pure wrestling clinic we watch him to see what he can get away with and how he's going to pull it out of the bag good win for Seth Rollins not a bad loss for Cesaro we'll see how the rest of the night turns out and see where those two go from here 
Our third match now is, you know, I'm not making any predictions on this match. We have Shayna Baszler versus this incarnation of Alexa Bliss and Lily. Um, the doll, yes. You heard that correctly. Alexa Bliss, I'm assuming, will be bringing a doll to the ring. Um, since WrestleMania, when we, we haven't seen The Fiend, um, but we saw this transformation of Alexa Bliss. She seems to have gained a lot of The Fiend's powers. Oh, and I stand corrected to my knowledge. Lily is not in Alexa Bliss's hands or anywhere, but this is a demonic side of Alexa Bliss. It seems to be able to control fire. Um, that doll just appears out of absolutely nowhere. Um, but we've also seen distractions from Reginald and Nia Jax costing Shayna Baszler matches. So, you know, I might have to save my thoughts on this match until the very end. I'm picking Alexa to come out on top. Uh, I don't want to say a win, because, you know, the way these two cat well, these two have been interacting with each other... And just the unpredictability of Alexa Bliss, I wouldn't put it past this match ending in a no contest with some form of trickery. But the bell has been rung. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I couldn't even begin to guess. Baszler seems off guard at the moment, and because Alexa Bliss is not hesitant, not reacting to absolutely anything. That Baszler is doing the distraction from Reginald, you know, working in Baszler's favor at the moment. But I'm gonna sit back, watch this match, and just watch in awe. I imagine I will speak to you guys. Well, it'll be in a second for you, but in a couple minutes for me. Already, very early on into this match, I have not waited until the end. There is too much to talk about in this one. Uh, we are seeing Bliss seemingly channel the inner fiend. And absolutely nothing seems to be phasing her with regards to the attacks that she is taking. She's having her arm bent quite literally in angles it is not designed to go. And she's just growling and getting back out of this hold. Um, yeah, I'm awfully uncharacteristically speechless about what's going on right now. But nothing is having an effect. On Alexa Bliss whatsoever. Reginald couldn't even make eye contact on the outside without, you know, covering his face while Bliss just death stares him. Baszler, you know, she's doing a lot of the damage. I say damage. She's doing a lot of the moves. But, oh, she's about, she's about to try and break Bliss's arm. This... This is a strategy that, you know, if it works... Oh, she's tempted to the side. Okay, yeah, we've definitely seen pain course through Alexa's body there. But... I don't know. This new bliss is... Unique. Let's put it that way. And as if on cue, she just laughs off a move that has hospitalised other competitors. But then Bliss is double jointed, so you know, maybe it didn't hurt. Well, maybe she is just a demon. I'm going with the latter one, judging by the look on her eyes. She's begging Baszler to look her in the eye and break her arm. Wow, Shayna Baszler is out of her element here. But then, this isn't anyone's element. Oh, Bliss running down the shots. And good lord. I don't know how Baze is going to come back from this one. This will come as an absolute surprise to nobody, but Alexa Bliss managed to win that match over Shayna Baszler. Nice little twisted Bliss, twisting moonsault off the top rope onto Shayna Baszler. One, two, three, match is over. However... That's not what I want to talk about. Before the end of the match, Reginald and Shayna Baszler, not Shayna Baszler, Reginald and Nia Jax were walking around to regroup with Shayna Baszler. 
Bliss and Jack's locked eyes. And it was like a hypnotic connection between the two of them. Bliss, whatever she did with her hand, Nia Jax did with the opposite one. Using that, Bliss managed to make Reginald... No, didn't Reginald do anything. So this has really (laughs) thrown my entire brain. Uh, Managed to make Nia Jax hit Reginald in the face... Taking him out of the match, obviously, um, but then break immediately out of the Carafuda clutch from Shayna Baszler, and Nia Jax was so confused by what she'd just done that she was incapable of offering any help to Nia. No, Nia, Shayna. Oh, she's in my head now. Honestly, I tell you, this isn't good. But. Oh, Alexa Bliss managed to get the win. Um, we didn't see Lily. I don't think this is the end between those two. Definitely not. Or maybe Bliss now has a new target in mind. I'd say good luck to the women's roster, but she doesn't discriminate. She targets anyone that she wants. And I'm scared. Let's move on. And try to put that match out of our memory as best we can. Our next match to kind of, you know, readjust our brains as I'm joined by the lovely Ziva, my cat giving me some fantastic cuddles, much appreciated this time of night, um, is Kevin Owens versus the conspiracy theorist Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn now convinced, I say now convinced, has been for a while, that everyone is out to get him. There are black helicopters in the sky, all that nonsense. But mainly is that someone in the big high up spaces in WWE does not want him getting anywhere. That's why everyone else gets the opportunities that he so deserves and all, you know, the regular spiel that people give. And Kevin Owens is sick of it. And honestly, I don't blame him. If my friend kept telling me, oh yeah, people are holding me back, I'd want to punch him in the face too. Comes a time Sami Zayn probably needs to accept responsibility for the fact that his career hasn't gone the way he's wanted. You know, Owens wasn't going the way his what he wanted his to go. He had a photo shame of that. Now I'm not saying you need to pick on a McMahon every single time. But you know, just do something. Get yourself noticed. Put yourself in these situations. Because Sami Zayn, don't put yourself in the room of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens will pummel you every single time. Owens outpowers Sammy. He can sometimes outquick him, but then these two have known each other over 20 years. They were best men at each other's weddings, I believe. Zane was definitely best man at Kevin Owens' wedding. Uh, that's about what I can confirm for definite right now. I may have misremembered the other one, but there's nothing that either man can do that the other person doesn't already know. And Sami Zayn's strategy here now has to be capitalise on any space given by Kevin Owens. And really just, just cheat. Yeah, he's another one of those, don't take tops to the chest like he's just done. And if Sami loses this, or even if he wins it, to be honest, either way we're not going to hear the end of it. So Owens, if you're going to beat him, please... Shut him up for good. And after rambling on during the start of this match, um, my prediction, I suppose, would honestly be Sami Zayn. Uh, I think, you know, he wants to prove a lot. And Owens, you know, he, he's just fed up at the moment. And, yeah, Zayn's got a lot more riding on this match than Kevin Owens does, so... Quite even so far. Zayn managed to turn momentum, but trying to outpower Kevin Owens, that doesn't happen. This match could be over almost as soon as it started. Uh, it looks like we may be heading towards a no contest or referee stoppage. Uh, Sami Zayn flew over the top rope, landing on Kevin Owens, kind of awkwardly on his left wrist. Uh, Owens has been 
unable to really raise that arm or do anything with it. Referee had to actually pause the match for a few seconds just so he could have a word with Kevin Owens. But, you know, you almost have to kill Kevin Owens to stop him from coming back and carrying on. So, broken wrist. Doesn't look like a dislocated shoulder. It's still moving around quite well. Sorry for all headphone users about that really loud whistle there, by the way. Um, yeah, it all seems to be... Shoulders is moving quite well to defend himself, but an elbow right to it, you know, that could that could affect it. So that would be definitely something to keep an eye on as the match progresses. Kevin Owens really bringing a lot of aggression, probably trying to end this match a lot sooner than he normally would because he is still favouring that left arm, but. The aggression has been working against him currently. He took it to the outside of the ring and in between the ring and the announce table more specifically. And it seemed that you know, maybe this was a better position for Owens to be in. A bit more movement and things to do damage with outside the ring. But he went for a senton, sorry, swanton, off the apron. And Sami Zayn got the knees up. So currently Zayn is in firm control until I'd say that really gets punched in the face. However, both men are down to their knees, so no one's really in control right now. Apart from Zayn, who is continuing to punch Kevin Owens in the face. Um, but yeah, going to the outside seemed like a good idea at first, but Kevin Owens, you know, he's suffering for it now. He may not be long left for this match. Kevin Owens now with one arm has been able to hit the stunner on Sami Zayn. However, he did it outside the ring. And Zayn really didn't make it back in the ring. From a counter, I was about to say, you can't really win on the outside. But, yeah, luckily, Zayn, bleeding from the mouth, um, has made it back in and recovered from the stunner. Um, Owens looks very distraught. But... Zayn, I was going to say, doesn't willingly take count-out losses, but he he has on numerous occasions. Um, this is the big stage, and now both men just headbutting and punching each other. Elbows flying, not Owens with left elbow, obviously, but the two of them just exchanging a massive series of shots, and Zayn's out on his feet, or his knees, whichever one. Probably both. So... Zane almost kicked out of the ring, now onto the apron, and really, this match has got to be nearing its end. Both men have taken a phenomenal amount of punishment. And I think Zane is going to find a way to cheat his way to victory in this one, just like he has in the past. Running knee to the back of the head, making Owens' throat hit off the middle rope. Owens then gets up and gets nailed by the Halluva kick. No long, no sooner had I said it, Zayn got himself in a decent position to do exactly what he needed to do. Owens you know, regained a bit of wherewithal as to where he was. Pushed Sami Zayn off of him, who hadn't got off after the pinfall. However, he was out for the good nearly 10 seconds. So, one, two, three, easy enough. The conspiracy theories may be put to rest, but... Only if Sami Zayn gets a total shot, because, you know, he wants nothing more than that right now. Well-earned win for Sami Zayn. Um, unfortunate for Kevin Owens, he took that injury really early on. And I really think that affected his ability to perform in this match. But I'm sure we'll see these two face off again dozens and dozens of times before they stop telling it. So... Good match for both as they slow motion replay that halluva kick. I am glad I was not Kevin Owens' jaw because I would be kicked off right now. A lovely job from both men. Zane celebrating in the ring. Cheering about karma. And, you know, maybe he's happy. Maybe he's not because I'm sure he'll find something else to complain about. Let's move on to the next match, ladies and gentlemen. Just before we move on to the Raw Women's Championship match, which there is also something else I want to talk about this for, um, they just showed a replay package again of Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio. 
in the Hell in a Cell match. And I said earlier I would talk about this because I have a huge issue with the fact that that match was done on SmackDown. Uh, it turned the match into a 10-minute thing. Admittedly, the match was better than the I Quit Hell in a Cell match, which was the half-hour promo between Reigns and Uso. But it took away a big marquee match from the pay-per-view. Uh, maybe, in my opinion, they should have possibly swapped Zayn and Owens for that match rather than taking away a Hell in a Cell match, but they probably wanted the attention of having a Hell in a Cell match on SmackDown rather than the pay-per-view to bring a bit more numbers to it, but the match itself was okay. I quite enjoyed watching it, but I think it just would have been more suited elsewhere. And it does mean, however, that this is another pay-per-view where one of the main champions is not defending their title. And, you know, it might just be me being a bit old-fashioned, but I I like as many bouts as possible to be defended on the show. And, and I appreciate that, you know, you defend every championship on every pay-per-view. It eliminates Night of Champions, but the pay-per-views are long enough now. Maybe we could do that. Or make it more hyped, but you know that's it's purely my opinion. Um, Charlotte Flair making way to the ring, so I shall stop complaining about the Universal Championship match and talk about this one. As I said, the Royal Women's Championship is the next one, and you know, oh, I want to look forward to this match. But I can't. I feel they were hyping a different match to the one we got. And this is, what, the third or fourth time we've seen Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair face off. There are more people on the roster, more very challengers. And I thought we were going to see a triple threat match. Honestly, as the champion's making her way down to the ring now, as uh, in Rhea Ripley, um, both competitors here have lost to Nikki Cross, albeit beat the clock challenges and tag match, I believe one of them got pinned, but a loss is a loss. If you're in the match and you lose to someone, that person at least gets consideration. And it's it's just really annoyed me. Uh, you watch NXT and you'll listen to my podcasts about, or you might not, but you'll hear my podcast about NXT, and the difference in the hype of these matches is insane. NXT always putting stuff out the bag. You don't know what's going to happen. WWE, there's at least one match that's repeated most shows. I'm half expecting Nikki Cross to come out during the championship introductions, but I also know that's not going to happen. And this match isn't even in a Hell in a Cell. So it's just a regular match, which is the same as the one we saw at WrestleMania for the NXT Women's Championship. It's the same as we saw for the Raw Women's Championship, apart from the Triple Threat version, obviously, but... It's just not adding anything to this rivalry. Because you know Charlotte's not going to go away if she loses, and Rhea will come back. If Charlotte wins, you know, get in a rematch. Now, I don't want this to be misconstrued. I'm not taking anything away from either competitors. I am just saying they have to make it a good match because you've seen it so many times. Change it up. Prove why we should keep watching over and over again. But I will come into it with an open mind and I look forward to being surprised. Like I am with Charlotte Flair grabbing the title belt off of the ref, throwing it to them, Rhea Ripley, and getting a cheap shot in at the start. Okay, daughter of the dirtiest player in the game. Lovely. Good tactic. But still not hard so much. Anyway, I'll stop complaining about that. Quick pinfall by Charlotte Flair. Hang on. Nope. Okay. Kicked out. Big boot. I'm not going to stop recording because this match appears to be happening pretty damn quickly. 
Footnote, Rhea Ripley is outside, just regrouping herself as Charlotte Flair reminding her she's come close twice to beating her in the opening minute of this match. A pretty back and forth match so far, with Charlotte Flair really seeming to get most of the advantage from what I've seen. Um, but again, you can see it on some of the faces in the audience at the background. We're bored of this match. We've seen it. They're not adding anything to it. And yeah, they're brilliant competitors. Brilliant matches, but no stipulations. And it's not hard to watch because it's, it's a good match. And you know, a lot of aggression from both people uh, countering one another because they know each other so well already by now. Um, I'm picking Rhea to retain. But I'm just hoping there's something that happens in this match that brings me out of my seat, or at least to the edge, or makes me move to the point where Ziva gets off of me. Because then I know it's a good match, especially because it's late and I'm tired. I don't want to fall asleep. Not that I want to miss something good. You know, the good super kick to the jaw of Charlotte Flair by Rhea Ripley. And the champion looking to finally gain a little bit more momentum. Should go down quite well, like Charlotte did. Um, but, yeah. You can't give a flare any form of space, because she would take over. The submission skills of Rhea Ripley showing through here. A kind of inverted Texas cloverleaf, making Charlotte Flair do a handstand while she dangles by her own legs until she rolls through and makes Rhea go headfirst into the bottom turnbuckle. And why is it that every time I start talking about something, it almost immediately gets cancelled? Which is a shame, but curse the commentator, as they say, even though I am recording something completely different, not commentary. But, you know, still a curse of the people talking into a microphone. Natural selection hit by Charlotte, and she tried to use the middle rope to get herself a little bit of an advantage. Referee caught her, but... Rhea Ripley also kicked out. You know, you're not gonna cheat Charlotte, surely. That's not your family's thing. Rhea has almost lost complete control over this match right now. Uh, Charlotte using every trick in the book, including the turnbuckles as a face buster after a backbreaker. Um, Charlotte going up for the moonsault right now. Uh, she hits it quite a lot, so hopefully she can hit it this time. No, but rolled through, landed on her feet and hit a second moonsault because Rhea Ripley rolled out of the way. And Charlotte, you know, she's not going to fall for that. The match disintegrated between these two a lot quicker than I anticipated. Um, I you know, noticed a ring bell running, or ringing, I should say, all of a sudden. And it appears it has ended in a disqualification by Rhea Ripley. And, you know, referees are getting in between these two as they brawl in between the ring. Um... This is something we didn't see in the other matches, so, you know, a good bit of surprise, but again, Rhea Ripley must have retained, and Rhea setting up for the Riptide, Charlotte, you know, not even attempting to break out of it, takes the hit, there's no referee, match is over, because Rhea Ripley, no, she does not lose the belt. Um, this could be a welcome, in my opinion, attitude change that we're seeing from Rhea Ripley. Uh, she suits the heel aspect so much better, especially with the other people on the roster. It gives her more people that she can bounce off of. And it has just been confirmed Charlotte Flair may have won by disqualification, but that's not how you get a title belt. You get a title belt through... Well, beating the champion, as in pinfall or submission. As we've seen, the champion doesn't have to beat you. You have to beat them. Champion's advantage. And I believe, I don't know, next match isn't the main event. Or is it? We'll find out. And good match. I just hope they don't use this to give us Charlotte versus Rhea again. We need someone else. Or at least make it a triple threat. Or fit a four-way, or... Just one more person. I don't know. 
Charlotte versus Rhea. Repetitive, we've seen it. At least we've had one no contest. Makes it up a little bit, I suppose. But hey, can't be long left of the show now. I'm enjoying the rest, most of it so far. And definitely, definitely looking forward to Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. But that's not now, that's later. Let's enjoy what we've got in front of us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our main event of the evening. It is Drew McIntyre facing off inside Hell in a Cell against the COO or CEO, whichever one you want to call him, of the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley. A match, yeah, we've seen these two face off, but never in this environment. And oh my word, I am so excited for this. I'm hoping I can stay awake. It's quite late. But mm, a match is good enough. I would definitely stay awake for it. And the WWE Championship being on the line in Drew McIntyre's last opportunity to face Bobby Lashley if he does not win. So we know that even should Lashley retain, which in my opinion he will, although with the WWE going back on the road in a few days' time, maybe they want Drew McIntyre to be the champion. But you know, I'm going to stick with my my gut. Bobby Lashley's going to retain, really cement that title reign that he's been waiting years for, and actually hold it in front of the crowd to emphasise him more as a heel face-to-face, but either way, this is going to be one of the most hard-hitting matches we've seen in a while. Let's strap yourselves in, guys, because this is going to be a bumpy ride. This match hasn't even started yet. They've only just done the ring introductions, and already you can feel the intensity coming off of these two They did not break eye contact for a single second until Lashley tried to start off quick by going outside the ring. Um, You know, I don't really see how either man can really gain an upper hand with technique. This is a power match. Two absolute brutes, both over six foot, over 200 pounds, easily well over 200 pounds. You know, built like brick, you know what houses. And God, the aggression in this match has just gotten so far. I wouldn't surprise me if we see the sword from Drew McIntyre come out. But what I am happy with is MVP locked on the outside. This match is going to end one way or another. And I'm hoping it's going to be as fair as it can be when there's no disqualification. But then, if there's no rules... You can't break them, so everything is fair. This is already proving to be a brutal match. Drew McIntyre having his head shoved, quite literally, into the steel walls of the cell by Lashley's knee, as well as just a natural throw. And speaking of throwing, Drew McIntyre just threw Bobby Lashley into the side of the cell. God. You know, none of these two are going to be walking tomorrow. I can guarantee you that now. Currently, Drew McIntyre has seemed to establish his control. The steel steps to the face of your opponent will tend to do that. But it'd be interesting now, a second time to the face of the steel chairs. Will MVP make a difference in this match? Yes, he's locked on the outside, but we all know MVP is loud. And... You know, a verbal distraction can be just as good as a physical one. As McIntyre was gaining a substantial amount of control, being able to set up the table, I'm going to say in the corner, because it was in the corner of the actual cell, and propping it up against the wall, uh, MVP using pretty much the only thing he can, uh, his cane putting it through the cell wall, um and giving it to Bobby Lashley, allowing him to use it as, obviously, a very legal weapon. McIntyre didn't see it coming, took a nasty shot to the throat, your champion Bobby Lashley, back in control. There isn't a great deal of space between the ring and the walls of the cells. However, 
this match has probably spent all of two minutes at most, and I'd even say that's an exaggeration, actually in the ring. These two are just trying to absolutely destroy each other. And you know what? I'm here for it. There have been shots to the throat recently. The steps haven't really got involved, but they've been fighting on them. Uh, well, McIntyre rebounding off the cell, having a massive clothesline to hit Bobby Lashley and get himself back in control. But as soon as one person gains any momentum, weapons get involved or, you know, just something that you're not expecting. And I feel sorry for the cameraman trying to keep up with all this, especially the one that drew the short straw and is in the cell with these guys. One of the first times we're actually making it back inside the ring now. Because remember, it's all well and good. You can beat your opponent up on the outside of the ring as much as you want. And then you pin them in or make them submit inside. And McIntyre trying to throw some steel chairs into the ring. And this kind of thing never goes well. Normally for the person doing it, he that one nearly went clean out the ring. To be honest, that third one. But... Only three chairs? Okay, interesting to see where it's going to go from here. But Lashley, he's not going to fall for anything stupid, I shouldn't imagine. Chair wedged in the corner by Drew McIntyre. But he's not going to get to use it just yet, because he just ate an elbow from Bobby Lashley. Who, well, okay, McIntyre's setting up a chair in the middle of the ring. And he's going for the reverse Alabama Slammer. Throws Lashley face first onto the steel chair. Can Lashley kick out? He can indeed. Whew. I knew this would be hard hitting, but this is a lot harder than I anticipated early on. The right shoulder of Bobby Lashley early on in the match took a... Must have been a substantial knock. I'm not sure where he did it. But Lashley has a very, very visible, it's not a cut anymore, it's almost a laceration. It's not flowing with blood, but the skin has just been completely removed. On the kind of right shoulder, almost where it goes over the armpit. And, you know, that's that's going to hurt to lock in the hurt lock like Lashley's trying right now. Because any movement on that arm... You know, you risk tearing that open even more. And Ashley, being a right-handed competitor, that is the last place he wants to have an injured shoulder. McIntyre managed to hit a quite impactful powerbomb. But, you know, he's not capitalising. Yes, Lashley kicked out. But McIntyre just knelt next to him, watching him get back up. Uh, if you ask me, nah, no chance. I get a two count like that on the WWE Champion who has been unstoppable in recent months with or without the Hurt Business. I'm taking advantage. I'm not waiting for him to even move. I'm pummeling him into the ground. Again, the steel set's being used. I assumed that Bobby Lashley would move out of the way the third time, but, you know, he must have taken way too much damage to even realise what's going on. But again, there it was. McIntyre took too long to do something and he's just having his head crushed between the chain link fence and the steel stairs by Bobby Lashley and the champion back in control you cannot wait especially when this is your last chance at the championship well McIntyre if you're going to make mistakes you're going to learn from them MVP being very vocal and you know, not letting Drew McIntyre forget that Hell in a Cell was his idea. And McIntyre now stuck in the corner being held up by a kendo stick that has been fed through two of the holes in the cell. And Lashley just treating Drew McIntyre as if he was a punching bag in one of Lashley's MMA training arenas. Punched to the guts, the head... You know, like, McIntyre can't even slump to the ground because the kendo stick was slid under his arms and it's just keeping him up perfectly. 
Oh, one side has come out, and McIntyre couldn't gain control, gets flatlined on the floor. Lashley made McIntyre literally eat a series of kendo stick shots, and I say that because McIntyre, you know, they seem to make no difference whatsoever. He got back up and caught the kendo stick, used a steel chair to gain momentum back in Drew McIntyre's favour, but the wiliness of Bobby Lashley, the champion, you know, poked Drew McIntyre in the eye. That's all that was. Um, McIntyre swam wildly with the chair, took the referee out. Oh, the back, the welts of Drew McIntyre. You can see it, the cuts. Oof. Damn, I am glad that's not me. Although I'd love to be facing off the WWE Championship, just not against Bobby Lashley and Hell in a Cell. Cannot think of many worse ways to try and win it. Um, especially because someone like me never going to do it. Um, but what was my point? Oh yeah, McIntyre nearly won, but the referee was knocked down. The outdoor referee, I thought was trying to come in um, hasn't appeared to have done that um, McIntyre's just hit the claymore oh no the referee is in but he left the door open MVP came in pulled the referee out of the ring claymore pin was not counted there's no disqualifications and McIntyre looks like he's about to explode and murder MVP and I can't say I blame him one of the referees made an interesting decision. They've put the lock back on the cage, um, but MVP did not make it out in time. So um, he's now currently being absolutely pummeled by Drew McIntyre. But this could work in Bobby Lashley's favour. For as long as McIntyre is taking out MVP, he's not focusing on Lashley. And... That's exactly what the WWE Champion needs. Claymore to MVP. But you can't pin MVP for the title. That's not how that works. I can't even see Bobby Lashley at the moment. I'm assuming he's rolled out of the ring. But if I can't see him, McIntyre probably doesn't know where he is. But he's not focusing on that. Oh no. It looks like he's about to put MVP through that table that he set up in the corner earlier. Or not, because here comes Bobby Lashley as Drew McIntyre was dealing with MVP on the outside. Locks in the hurt lock and McIntyre trying with all he's got to break out of it. But McIntyre's fading. Runs backwards and Lashley ends up going through that table. But, but in a sense, so did Drew McIntyre. I don't know if Lashley hit his head on the base of the cell. It looks like he might have done. But either way, both men are out. Buried under the table. MVP down inside the ring as well. McIntyre kind of stirring. But. Oh, this is more hard hitting. Than I could have imagined. Anyone watching this match now. This is what a Hell in a Cell match. Is supposed to be like. Both men currently absolutely spent. Uh, uh, both inside the ring, McIntyre dragged Lashley and hit him again with the steel chair. Lashley just spitting at Drew McIntyre. He doesn't care what's going on. He almost welcomes this repeated chair shots. Maybe trying to get in the head of Drew McIntyre. We've seen he's not exactly the calmest of people. And he's turned around. McIntyre opposite side of the ring to Bobby Lashley. Looking to set up for the Claymore. Missed. I thought he was going to hit that. McIntyre sent back first into the turnbuckle by Bobby Lashley. Who follows that up by, up by choke slamming Drew McIntyre through another table that was on the outside. And honestly, I do not see any way that McIntyre can come back from this. Lashley missed the spear in the corner. Um... McIntyre went for the backslide. You're not going to pin the WWE Champion like that. A massive Glasgow kiss headbutt. Another Future Shock DDD coming. Yes, he hit it. There's a referee in the ring this time. But McIntyre not going for the cover. Interesting. He wants to hit that Claymore. 
Will that come back to haunt him? MVP still in the cell? Um, McIntyre's down the corner in last place. I saw MVP. That doesn't mean that's where he is now. Setting up for the Claymore. There he is. Yep, MVP grabbed the leg of Drew McIntyre. Schoolboy, two, three. Bobby Lashley, the almighty, with the help of MVP, manages to retain, beating Drew McIntyre inside Hell in a Cell. And I know as excited as I am for Bobby Lashley to win that match, you have to feel for Drew McIntyre. He is no longer ever able to face Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now reached the end of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I want to thank you all for listening to me ramble on about absolute nonsense and all sorts of things like that through another pretty decent show, to be fair, the WWE have put on. Uh, it had its ups and its downs, as does every show. You know, you, winners and losers, biggest losers tonight has to be Drew McIntyre. Um, you know, you got to feel for him. But it is what it is. He made that decision. He put it on the line. And now he can't challenge Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship anymore. Uh, I, I had fun watching it, as I always do. And pretty tired, because it is, you know, ridiculously early in the morning. Um, but, yeah, all that remains for me, again, is to thank you. I have been Jack Witch Doctor Witcher. And don't forget to please share this to grow the audience we've got quite a good audience coming at the moment and i'm enjoying it hope you are too um i will also post a link in the description for this one for you to send me voice messages should you want to if any questions that you would like answering or things you'd like addressing in a further podcast thank you very much for listening and stay magical my friends <laughs>